0: Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. My name is Gordon Glenister, your host, and in today's edition, I'll be talking to the common advertising practice copy advice manager, Emma Smith. Emma has previously worked with the Advertising Standards Authority, which is the industry regulator. So I wanted to get a better understanding of what CAP does and the part it plays in influencing the marketing industry, particularly in some of the sectors like fashion and beauty.
1: Most people are more likely to have heard of the Advertising Standards Authority, uh, or the ASA, which is the UK's advertising regulator. The ASA works to make sure ads across UK media stick to the advertising rules. And now I represent the Committee of Advertising Practice, or CAP, whose members represent advertisers, media owners and agencies, and is responsible for writing those rules that the ASA enforces. And together we work to help ensure that ads are responsible by taking action against misleading, harmful or offensive advertising, and providing advice and training to help marketers get their ads right.
0: So what are some of the key rules that people should be aware of when it specifically comes to influencer marketing?
1: There are a lot of rules that could apply depending on the circumstances, but the most common issue in influencer marketing at the moment is still transparency and ad disclosure. The starting point uh, is the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations, or CPRs for short, which states that not making advertorials clearly identifiable is an unfair and misleading commercial practice. Uh, Now, the CPRs are enforced by the Competition and Markets Authority, or CMA, and other statutory regulators like trading standards. Now, our rules reflect this legislation, and require that consumers must be made aware when they're being advertised to both brands and influencers have a responsibility to ensure that any advertising they post on social media makes that clear upfront and failure to disclose or otherwise mislead consumers breaks those rules so
0: we've seen some examples of people that are just aren't really doing this properly um, I want to talk specifically about the uh, beauty and fashion industry what do you find are some of the challenges more specifically that this sector faces, given it's one of the the largest uh, and, and most proactive in the influencer marketing space?
1: I would say that the biggest challenge in this sector seems to be failing to appreciate the many different types of advertising in this space. So at this point, I think the concept of payment and control is quite well known and well established, but there's less thought being paid to the fact that the CMA only needs there to be a payment, and a payment can be free goods. It doesn't have to be money. And also that affiliate marketing links don't require editorial control. Just including them is advertising. Last year, the ASA ruled against a blog post from The Londoner because it included unlabeled affiliate marketing links for Matalan, for example. Our rules also cover instances where an influencer is selling uh, their own products or collaborating in the creation of Products being sold by someone else. Like last year, there was a case involving Zoe DePasse, dressed like a mum, promoting some shoes that she'd collaborated in with a brand to create. And so all of those things were advertising. And they all needed to be labeled, but of course, they don't necessarily fall within the strict payment and control test, which only applies to one type of advertising. And similarly, there's a false impression that we keep coming across that new platforms like TikTok and new formats within existing platforms like stories aren't covered by the rules yet when they very much are. The rules are largely media neutral, which means they can and do apply immediately to new advertising formats and technologies. And the ASA made that clear by ruling against uh, an unlabeled Instagram story from Louise Thompson the vanity planet back in 2018 so yeah i think for us what we're seeing is that people are not necessarily appreciating that it's not just about payment and control it's about any advertising and some of the other advertising has been a lot better as well established through the years so yeah that, that would kind of be the main thing
0: and what sorts of enforcement is there for people that break these rules
1: the main sanction if you like for the asa is the bad publicity that comes from publishing a ruling that basically tells the world that they were lying to their audience about whether something was advertising or not. So, I mean, that tends to be what the ASA relies on, that sort of publicising bad practice. But... Our compliance team at the moment um, is in the process of considering some more proactive enforcement in this space. Unfortunately, I don't have many more details about that at the moment, but I imagine at some point this year, I would assume, there will be some use of our newly found machine learning and similar technologies that we've been using to locate bad practice and then just shining a light on it. But I think really there are arguments out there that if you really severely punish people, then everyone else will fall into line. But The industry is so huge that a lot of people will feel like, well, it's not going to happen to me because I only have, you know, a handful of followers and it doesn't really matter. But the fact remains that the longer bad practice exists, the more it will erode the industry and the value in that industry. And so basically over time, it's going to ruin it for everyone. And if the industry can't get itself together and on the same page and following the rules then someone government might step in and make it not a thing anymore absolutely
0: (laughs) absolutely and brand brand safety is really important isn't it
1: absolutely and not just the brands that are advertising but the influencers this is their job and if suddenly that goes away that's a lot of people who would be very severely disadvantaged. So it's about everyone playing their part to make influencer marketing successful and responsible.
0: How many sort of complaints does CAP get in the course of the year?
1: The ASA usually receives somewhere in the region of around 30,000 complaints a year. And that's about all advertising. In relation to influencer marketing specifically, this has been on quite a sharp increase. So I had a quick look and they, the complaints were at an all-time high at the end of 2019 with over 1,600 complaints just about influencer marketing. Now, not all of these complaints were necessarily a breach of the rules. <laughs> so that's something that should be made clear up front. Just because someone complains doesn't mean it's a problem. It just mm-hmm. means the ASA has looked into it. And the increase in numbers here might just indicate that consumer awareness, so both of the practice and of the ASA's involvement in regulating it, is much higher than it was, say, two years ago. Right.
0: So that's a really good point. Um, So effectively, because we're promoting the disclosures and looking out for these things by the very nature of that, you're going to have an increase in complaints.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The more aware they are of it, the more likely they are to raise it with us.
0: I think it's widely felt that hashtag ad is the common disclosure, but we still see paid partnership. We still see hashtag gifted, hashtag or not even hashtag, just SP. And I know this, you work closely with the ASA. What would your advice be?
1: So in order to better understand kind of the extent to which consumers are able to easily identify affiliate marketing, the ASA undertook a research project last year. And they found that ultimately consumers find it very difficult to identify advertising in this space, more difficult than even we thought <laughs> they found it. And so as a result, at a minimum, the ASA and indeed CMA now expects posts to include a label like ad, hashtag ad, front, because it needs to be. Prominent, it needs to be easy to understand, and it needs to be clear about what it is. So, yeah, I think we always tell people to stick to words that either are or directly abbreviations of advertising. Things like gifted are not a good idea. You technically weren't given a gift. You were given something with the hope that you would then promote that. Uh, This is very much a commercial transaction. It wasn't a present. And it's kind of having to be a bit more upfront about the fact that this is advertising. As far as consumers are concerned, this is advertising. You might not necessarily feel like it's advertising necessarily because you know the agreements that go on in the background. But the consumer doesn't care about those. All they care about is knowing whether you were paid to say something or not. And so it's kind of trying to get out of the mindset of, oh, but ads, it's not really an ad. It's like, well, it's all an ad. So, so so just use ad for it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So Emma, what do you think? I mean, I think potentially with regard to gifting, the level of non-compliance is very high. I mean, mm. from what I see generally, I mean, I see lots of stuff on Instagram where people are talking about, you know, new products, uh, new ideas, no disclosure at all.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, that's a difficult one for us to comment on, because usually in those instances, there's no editorial control. That's the key difference between us and the CMA in relation to our jurisdictions. So, we only regulate certain things that fall within the scope of our rules, Mm. whereas the CMA obviously deals with all commercial practices and content. And so, gifted where there's no editorial control and there's no affiliate link are going to fall within the remit of the CMA. And of course, the CMA have a very different way of prioritising their work and a different way of dealing with things. And they're the ones who will do these big sector-wide kind of sweeps and and deal with things that way, rather than the ASAs kind of case-by-case every time there's a complaint approach. It's unclear at this point who has the better approach, or if neither approach is going to get the job done in the end. But we all work together and we all work as hard as we can to try and get everyone on the same page I don't think the rule will change because the rule is based on legislation. So until someone changes the law, Mm. the rule won't change. And it's unlikely. I mean, that law and that rule has been around for quite a long time. Uh, And it's been applying in other media for a very long time. I mean, this isn't really, technically speaking, making clear that advertising is advertising isn't a new issue. I've found references to the issue in the ASA's very first annual report in 1964. This is a perennial issue that rears its head every time there's a new type of advertising (laughs) in space that consumers aren't aware of. And so, it won't be the rules that change so much as maybe the positions change as mm. the technology changes and as consumer understanding changes. Because obviously, if we get to a point where everyone can follow a reasonably standardized approach, then consumers are going to more easily recognize advertising in that space. And, you know, whatever that approach is, as long as it's effective, the ASA will be happy with it. At the moment is easier just to say, use if everyone uses hashtag ad, people will know when something is an ad and when something isn't.
0: And I think a lot of the big brands that are that are investing in the sector, they're demanding that uh, the, these disclosures are in place and it's now a key part of most contracts.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and you, you're seeing more and more of that in contracts, just having disclosure written in as a specific term, which mm. is brilliant. And, and it's, that's the kind of thing that will help kind of standardise things and bring everything into the right space so that influencer marketing can continue to grow and thrive and bring in all the benefits that it does for brands and influencers alike
0: so resources and guidance and best practice guides and all that sort of stuff presumably there's a good place for you for for people to find out more
1: absolutely so i would recommend anyone looking for advice on this go to www.asa.org.uk influencers And that page basically hosts all the resources we have on influencer marketing. You know, the focus is ad labelling disclosure, but there are other articles on there about targeting and about content um, and other things that might start cropping up. And we're seeing more and more of this. So, you know, people making weight loss claims that aren't technically allowed and promoting medicines when they shouldn't be and that sort of thing. So there are other issues lurking in the background. It's just the, the forefront has been... Labeling and disclosure. So, I would recommend going there and taking a look. The one stop shop we have is the Influencer's Guide to Making Clear that Ads are Ads. And we wrote that in collaboration with the Competition and Markets Authority. So, that's kind of a good place to get an overview of all the rules. And then there's lots of other resources to take a look at.
0: Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. So, that's it for another edition of Influence. Please make sure you subscribe and listen to some of the other episodes. You can find them on my website, gordonglenister.com or the BCMA Branded Content Marketing website too. Always happy to find out about um, topics and guests that you'd like to hear about. Just drop me a line, gordon at gordonglenister.com. So until next time, bye from me.